Hey, hi, hello, Midwesty besties. This is our B, freshly thought out from 135.8 inches of record-breaking snowfall in northern Minnesota, welcoming you to Take the Last Bite, a show where we take Midwest nice, roll it out into thin sheets, cut it into silly shapes, top it with sprinkles, and snack on it with a tall glass of dairy-free milk. On today's episode, I chat with three folks who, by the power of serendipity and mutual interest in marine life, have produced a stunning piece of documentary that centers identity, taking big risks, and our relationship with our non-human kin. Before we get into that, though, let's talk about what's gone on in the last two weeks, because it's been kind of wild. If you're an astrology gay like me, this may not be a surprise to you, as we've got several cosmic events happening that have major implications for us all. Mercury is in retrograde, we've entered into a new moon, we've had eclipses, and we're in Taurus season, which makes this Taurus sun quite happy. But overall, those astrological shifts bring with it chaotic energy, where the lessons are buried a little deeper, and chaos is exactly what we've seen. For starters, in the state-based legislative arena, more anti-democratic maneuvers have been at play, especially in Republican-led state legislatures. You'll recall last episode I mentioned the Tennessee Three, in which three Tennessee state representatives were penalized for their alignment with citizens' protests of weak gun policy action. Well, that seems to be a playbook other Republican state representatives are taking pages out of to concoct their own nonsensical penalties for queer and trans state representatives across the country. In Montana, Representative Zoe Zephyr has been censured after speaking boldly about anti-trans bills, saying the blood would be on the hands of those who push it into law. On Wednesday, April 26, the state legislature moved to bar Zephyr from the House floor, meaning she can no longer participate in debates for the remainder of the 90-day legislative session. As she departed the House, Zoe pressed her speaker button, which is how representatives request airtime during debates, to remind her fellow representatives that they are silencing the voices of 11,000 Montana voters that Zoe represents. Last month, Mari Turner, the first non-binary and Muslim person to be elected to the legislature in Oklahoma, was removed from all of their committee assignments after being accused of disallowing police to question a trans protester who was being pursued for question after things got physical during the protest. Clips of Turner speaking to their fellow representatives spoke to the mistreatment they have faced as a non-binary person of color, saying, quote, I know that I represent a culmination of things that you all deeply hate, and I know it makes it easier for you to try to silence the people of House District 88 because we continuously hold you accountable. These are just two of many examples where asinine, unhinged statements and decisions are being made to and about trans people, even, and seemingly especially, the ones who hold elected office. So much for decorum. So much for points of order. So much for democracy. In other news, we get to say toodaloo to Tucker Carlson as the gargantuan earsore he's historically been as a Fox News pundit, deplatforming someone who has without a doubt been the fuel to the anti-trans fire for all the moderate and conservative consumers of Fox News since 2009, is a pretty solid win. And to really round us out with a little more queer joy, I certainly did not have the cast of the original L Word being honored at the White House during Lesbian Visibility Week on my 20. 
2023 bingo card, but watching Beth Porter strut through the hallways of our nation's capital certainly made my little gay heart happy. Our guests for today's episode are absolutely queer joy seekers. I got a chance to chat with Nova, Angel, and Nicole, the producers and muses for Diving for Rays, a documentary that follows Nicole's journey through getting scuba certified and overcoming barriers to being a queer woman in marine conservation. So take a deep breath and get ready to deep sea dive into this episode of Take the Last Bite. Why can't we be in space with hundreds of other queer and trans folks and having these necessary conversations? When it comes to dynamics around privilege and oppression and around identity, well-intentioned isn't actually good enough. And how far is too far to drive for a drag show? I don't know, we're in Duluth right now. I would straight up go to Nebraska, probably. <laughs> if you are not vibing or something's not right, or also like there's an irreparable rupture, you have absolutely every right to walk away. Definitely going to talk about Midwest nice, and if that's if that's um, as real as it wants to think it is, Midwest nice is white aggression. That's what it is. All right, folks, I am super excited for this in like a nerdy way because I recall when I was, um, you know, a cute little K through 12 grade schooler um, in St. Louis, Missouri, nearly smack dab in the middle of these United States. I was like, I'm going to be a marine biologist, right? I was adamant. <laughs> like I had other friends who were just like, we're all going to somehow not be um, in the middle of nowhere, Missouri, and we're going to end up doing this thing, which is clearly not true. Uh, for me now, um, doing, doing something else. But um, that was a big deal for me when I was a kid. So there's just something like extra um, exciting about and envious of me of the work that y'all um, do. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, let's do a round of instructions. Um, if in your introductions, which I've been told um, are perfectly crafted um, <laughs> for this occasion due to um, previous experiences where you wanted to polish them up. Um, including your intro, just your relationship to the Midwest, because that's what we ask everybody. Hey, folks, my name is Nicole. Um, I have any pronouns. I am a like outdoor educator and emerging marine conservationist, the star in diving parade. <laughs> and um, I have like visited the Midwest, but I'm actually from Southern California. So I've only... Oh, no, you know what? Is is Texas a part of the... No, Texas is <laughs> No, it's not. It's not very Well, fortunately for me, it's not. You know what I mean? It shows middle, though. Like, that is fair. It is in the middle. <laughs> that, is just the, I, that is just the South. That's just right up the South. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Lives are fake anyway, whatever. That's <laughs> <just> true. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Borderlines are a social construct. <laughs> um, <clears throat> hi, I'm Angel. My pronouns are they, them. I'm the spouse of Nicole, um, who is not from the Midwest. Um, I was actually born in Chicago, so I have a little bit of a tie to the Midwest. Um, I only lived there for two years of my life, but um, most of my family's over there, so I go and visit Illinois a lot. Um, and uh, outside of that, I am a, a natural history filmmaker. Uh, I am the writer and director of Diving for Rays, and uh, that's about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great. All right. Hey, I'm Nova West. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'm a wildlife filmmaker specializing in underwater cinematography. 
I'm also a sailor on a deep sea exploration vessel. Um, and my mission is to make everything gay. So um, I'm originally from a small town in southern Minnesota, went to college in Duluth, Minnesota, um, and am very much connected in the Midwestern queer space. So, yes. And then you decided to leave for sunnier weather. Because <laughs> I yeah. don't blame you. Because I live out my window to so much snow. Right. No. And I, well, I originally moved to, uh, when I first moved out of the state, um, I think I was 22 uh, when I left for the first time. I moved to Washington, D.C., of all places. Choice. So, like, <laughs> And I lived there for like five years. Um, but now I'm in sunny California. I've been here for about a year. So um, so again, thank you so much for um, carving out time to chat with me. I'm super excited to dig into some of the behind the scenes stuff and just like some of the, the concept work behind this really awesome piece that you have now put in, out into the world um, called Diving for Rays. Um, it's approximately, I think the little time reader says it's like 23 minutes um, so it's, it's short and sweet, but oh, so, oh, so packed with just like really, um, meaningful and incredible content. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm hoping that you can kind of help me piece together both the origin story, right? Cause I think that's a really interesting, um, and just queer as fuck, like way in which this kind of seed was planted. Um, and then talk us through kind of the, the synopsis of the film. Yeah. So <laughs> Diving for Rays is um, actually about my wife, Nicole, and it is specifically about um, her journey to becoming a marine conservationist after kind of being chased away from thinking that she could even do the career because of lack of queer visibility in marine sciences, and I would say even science as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, and the film covers her first big steps, such as getting uh, dive certified and um Lots of other fun stuff. I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, it's definitely a film about chasing after your passions and, uh, you know, being faced with barriers and how to how to overcome those barriers as a queer person and also just as somebody who's in a marginalized community in general. Um, and yeah, that's basically what it's about. Yeah, and then the the way that diving for is kind of like happened, um, <laughs> and so I was living in DC at the time. Um, I was getting ready to move to California and I happened to see um, Angel was posted posted on a social media, I think it was on Instagram. I saw a post about them. Um, and I was like, oh my God, another wildlife like <laughs> trans person who's like <laughs> in filming space um, because it's hard to find, especially like non-binary people who do the same <laughs> things that I do. Um, and so I reached out to them and quickly realized that they are incredible and they introduced me to Nicole as well. And they're both iconic and wonderful. Um, and so literally like a month or two later, they welcomed me into their home to like stay with them and check out San Diego. Um, and I ended up moving there a few months after that. Um, and I think one day Angel just kind of called me up right before I was about to move and was like, hey, do you want to make a film together? Like, we should do that, you know? Like, we both know how to do things, and, like, we might as well combine the forces. And um, I, of course, was like, absolutely, yes. Like, we have to. It's required by law. Um, <laughs> so um, once I moved to San Diego, uh, we were kind of, like, playing around with a bunch of ideas. Um, and we, you know, we're talking about some more, like, 
natural history focused ideas and and things that were kind of like attainable to us in our immediate space. Um, we didn't like have a sort of budget to make this film with. Um, and we kind of, I think, together, like ended up turning to Nicole on the couch and was like, wait, like you're doing really cool things and you have a really wonderful, inspiring story. And like, how would you feel about being on camera? Um, and Nicole very gracefully was like, <laughs> Give it a shot. <laughs> so, that's kind of the origin story of it. There's just so much, so much about that just feels like it could not come together in that way if like cis were doing it. Like it just feels impossible, just like beyond like the the ability for comprehension in that way. Like, oh, I, uh, by the power of SEOs, you know, came upon this person who like is in this very like niche and like underrepresented, you know, comparable field that you like you're in and just like all this just there's so much serendipity there that just makes it feel like extra like great <laughs> yeah i wouldn't normally recommend uh letting strangers stay in your home for a week that you met on the internet but yeah no very well for me this time so <laughs> quite lucrative yes uh yeah <laughs> cannot help but laugh at like the the visual image of y'all just sitting around and like in whatever respective poses because queer folks can't sit in chairs properly just like all the dangling of the limbs in places and just like Mm -hmm. coming to this collective agreement that like oh everything that like we need is literally right here like that's that's incredible (laughs) incredible it also just reminds me like there's something that I talk about with my conference planning team. Um, this feels tangential, but I, I promise it'll work its way back around where we just kind of talk about like queer spaces in like queer liminal spaces that are just like unstructured and how things like come together in those spaces. Because we talk about how, you know, we go to this conference every year and we usually like commandeer the hotel lobby and suddenly there's all this like queer magic making suddenly happening in like the lobby of like a quality in and it's like that that's very specific and can only happen by nature of how queer folks communicate like suddenly the snowball is avalanching and then suddenly you have a documentary um on like a major streaming platform for documentaries like and here we go um which kind of like so it started with this hey let's do this idea right based on all the the skills and like the the stories like in the room at the same time what it, what kind of like headspace do you kind of have to get in to be able to approach telling a story like this, right? Because the, you know, Angel's like synopsis, stellar, awesome, 10 out of 10. And, right, like the, you know, there's all these like thematic pieces to it about like the lack of queer representation, you know, that hits very specific to the three of you based on the, the you know, fields and careers and life aspirations you have. Um you know, what does it take to kind of get into that headspace to be able to tell this kind of story, which I'm sure is different for the three of you respectively, but just like what, what does that headspace have to look like? Um, I realized in my intro, I didn't mention that I was uh, the co-director and underwater cinematographer for Diving for Rays. Basically, mid lockdown, I had been working in wildlife filmmaking for several years, and I was like ready to kind of like take my next step into actually doing more field work. So I I had an internship at Nat Geo headquarters. Um, I'm forever thankful for that experience, but it was mostly in like post-productions, like editing, things like that. Um, and I was just like so ready to like start these adventures of my own and like start telling my own stories because 
I didn't see myself in film. Um, and I'm sure everyone here can also relate to that. But um, so I was like, okay, what do I want to do? And I knew that like I love water so much. Um, and especially as a trans person, like I have a complicated relationship with water. Like there's a long time where water was something that was really awful and terrifying and it didn't feel great because of dysphoria and things like that. Um, and now I find it such a healing thing. And so I knew that I wanted to go into underwater cinematography um, and just like experience the wildlife in the ocean. Um, so mid lockdown, I was like, you know, what I'm going to do I'm going to buy my own camera rig for underwater stuff. So I got my own like professional camera rig. Um, and I was in DC, middle of winter, middle of lockdown. So <laughs> I like had to try out my new camera. Um, so I just hopped in my bathtub and started taking pictures of this like tiny plastic whale that I had. Um, and after that, I was like, okay, I can't, I can't stop here. Like I have the itch. Um, and so I ended up going to a hotel and like renting a room and then just like spending all my time in their pool. Um, <laughs> it's like whatever you whatever you can access, you know. Um, and from there, it kind of just like kept building that I went on a, a road trip to Florida so that I could film because flying um, wasn't safe. That was, it was pre-vaccination. Um, and it kept building from there. Um, and I, I just had this like really deep desire to tell my story and my community stories within this aquatic space, mm. um, which is kind of like what fuels my headspace of like, I'm just so excited and so passionate and like so thankful that I finally have the resources to mm. tell my own story and to tell stories like mine. So that's kind of where mm. my headspace came from. Um, my headspace was, okay, so like we have to go back a little bit. Uh, so... <laughs> um, I originally saw this like beautiful documentary about um, specifically like women in like conservation and and biology. And it was like this really, really beautiful uh, documentary from for folks like for for women of all different backgrounds, like truly like they covered so many different um, people that came from like different races and different ethnicities and different ages and uh, different backgrounds and uh, folks from all different parts of the world. Um, and it was like in the middle of like lockdown for me as well. Um, and it was this really, really beautiful documentary. And I was like, kind of felt myself like holding my breath at the end, sort of waiting for them to mention, uh, someone who was like outwardly queer. And, um, that moment just never came for me. So then immediately I was like, this is not true. I will stalk them <laughs> on the internet, uh, <laughs> still holding my breath. Um, and I looked up like uh, a lot of the folks that were in that film and to my knowledge, none of them uh, were queer. And so then my like bated breath became rage. Um, and I <laughs> um, ranted to Angel, uh, my wonderful wife, about how mad I was that here is this beautiful documentary showcasing all of these different people. And I don't see anyone in there that represents my community. Mm -hmm. um, and I was livid. And in my rage, Angel and I uh, worked together to sort of like draft up my first uh, uh, application for grad school for biology. She rage applied to grad school <laughs> is essentially yes. what happened. I can, yeah, I, I rage applied to grad school. But that was the one and, and only school that you applied for and you got in. And that 
Right. Really <laughs> so long story short, rage applied to your colleges. Right. Listen it'll to it'll give you extra extra motivation and <laughs> yes. yeah, absolutely. It'll give you the extra just the the push that you needed. Um and I had already sort of been thinking about going into the space and had been realizing that like this was something that I was really passionate about and that I really love to do. Um and so it just it just kind of made sense for me to do this. Um and then, you know, kind of in the waiting of it all. I was waiting to hear back and I was like, well, there's something that I can, there must be something that I can do right now. Mm-hmm. And Nova was like, well, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm scuba certified. And I was like, really, does that, how does that work? And they were they told me all about it. And um, yeah, we're there whenever I got to take my first breaths underwater. So yeah. It's the world. Literally, it's, it's so good. I love it. <laughs> so amazing. And um I think as far as like the headspace to be in when it comes to like telling this type of a story, like for me, obviously, like the the absolute like livity rage uh, that I experienced is ever <laughs> and like continuing to push forward on like the moments whenever I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be on camera right now, um, and and realizing that like, okay, you're doing this for the impact, and also because like you're doing it, you might as well do it to show like visibility in this space, um. But also, like, to to be completely honest, like, I was really terrified. Like, I I remember thinking about this and being like, oh, my God, like, what if it's taken the wrong way? What if it gets into the wrong group of people? You know, what if people misinterpret it? You know, there's a lot that can go wrong in being so vulnerable. And so that, especially with such a touchy subject, too. Right. And something that's, like, maybe still legal in some countries, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, but Water Bear is available in every single country <laughs> in the world. So everyone, <laughs> everyone's able to watch it. Yes. 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 It actually like people illegally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to get banned, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because, like, homosexuality is illegal in certain countries. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's her. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. That clicked late but it clicked okay yeah 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 but um yes i i I would say like a lot of the same things that nicole was saying um you know i I would say like the reason for the rage i think was because Mm -hmm. when we both were watching that documentary and and prior to watching the documentary we had had a lot of conversations um especially in this the middle of the pandemic when everyone was kind of like had too much time on their hands to think about like what they were doing with their lives, which True. is exactly what we were doing. And to, we'd had conversations like we were in like a really transitional period of our life. And we were like, kind of like, what do we want to do? Like, because we were coming out of um, we actually used to have a YouTube channel where we talked about being queer Christians. And um, oh. we are not Christians anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> we were transitioning out of that. Transitioning out of that. Yes. Love that. And just talking about, you know, having this like this like feeling of like, wow, we really thought that our lives were going in like one direction and now they're not like, what do we want to do? And we got to talk like talking about the topic of childhood dreams and, you know, how I've always wanted to be a wildlife filmmaker and Nicole's always wanted to be a marine conservationist. And the, the conversation started off being like, ah, that's that's silly. Like, hee hee ha ha. Like that will never happen. But then, like, as we started, like, kind of talking about it more, we were like, well, what if I don't know, maybe, maybe what if we tried? And then. Watching that documentary, I think, was the click moment when we were like, oh, that's why we didn't do it, because we didn't know that we could. Um, And there were no role models to tell us that we could, or there were no people in our lives that encouraged us to say, yes, you could, or like, you know, gave us the tools or the access or the opportunities for it. Like, I was literally enrolled um, at a different university um, that I went to for zoology for a hot minute, and my parents were even like, 
no, I don't think that that'd be a good career for you. Like, you know, you should try something different. Like, and so I chickened out and I ended up going to a completely different university, completely different major. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that that's like what fueled this partially fueled the rage that that partially fueled the film is just this like realization of like, oh, wow, there is this mega lack of visibility for queer people in marine science, but also just like across STEM as a whole. Um, and so I think that especially after meeting Nova, who had kind of like a similar journey um, and slowly meeting others who had similar journeys, like realizing like how big of a of a thing this was and a shared experience this was. And we were like, maybe this would be a good topic to cover and and hopefully maybe inspire some people. And yeah. <laughs> There's something very like very awesome is the, is the best I've got about like hearing hearing the emphasis on the range, right? Just that like, because you wouldn't necessarily glean that from the movie in like a in like a <laughs> in like a really tactful way, right? Like in this way, because the movie is so like it is gentle, like it is like the imagery, right? Like it's very pleasing, it's very soft, like like the the storyline, right? Like is very heavy right but there's something like about how you've built the story into like something as you know mystifying as like a giant school of rays like swimming in the water <laughs> like that doesn't necessarily speak rage but like hearing from y'all in this moment that like that was such a like motivator for well if everybody else you know isn't going to do the story we will yeah yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that, like, we really love, like, talking about it and, like, doing, like, the kind of, like, podcasts and the, uh, like, the premiere things and, and things like that is because, like, I don't know, I feel like it's really important to feel that. Like, we talk about queer joy and we talk about um, queer love and we talk about queer tragedy. Um, and I feel like in the mix there, too, is, like, when you want to make a change for something, at, at least I'll speak for myself, whenever I want to change something, usually one of my red flags for it is like, oh, I'm really mad about this and something needs to change and I don't see anyone else doing it. So I'm going to be the change that I want to see in the world. <laughs> be what I can't see, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's in the film. It's in the film. <laughs> um, but um, I also know like, like in addition to like the the queer rage that's um you know kind of uh, the ins ins inspirator inspiration inspiration behind that wanting to do it um Nova usually has really beautiful things to say about queer joy and their inspiration for that too oh yes I could talk forever about queer joy um so something that brings me rage is a lot of the queer media that we see um that focuses especially like mainstream media focuses on queer despair and queer suffering um and we're getting more queer visibility but we're only talking about how hard it is to be a queer person um and that is such a small fraction of what it's like to be queer and that's because of other people that's not even at the root of queerness um and so i'm really excited to be able to start making queer content queer films uh, telling queer stories that focus around queer joy and queer love and showing my community that like we deserve to be loved for our full selves and we deserve to find infinite joy in whatever it is that sets our souls on fire. Um, 
And so that's just something that I'm I'm really so proud of us, honestly, for and really, really thankful for Angel's tactful editing as well, um, <laughs> creating this film and being able to kind of toe the line, like acknowledging the struggle that it is to be queer because of other people. Um, but the beautiful intricacy of the joy that we feel being our full selves. Yeah, like like I said, just the way that like that that comes through so 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 strongly, right? Like there there's an urgent message. Like the message is urgent, but it's not the pace is one in which like the joy and like this it's a savor, right? It's like it's a it's a piece <laughs> of hard candy that you're gonna suck on for 23 minutes. Not necessarily something that you're gonna get through really quickly, right? Like you're gonna savor it and you're gonna enjoy it, but then you're also gonna feel like the call to like address the problem, right? The problem being lack of representation that like, even though you two coming into each other's lives and then the three of you coming into each other's lives, like created this, right? Like was the serendipity and seed plan to create this, right? Like technically, you know, the undergirding there is that like it took the power of like the internet, um, you know, and like traveling a lot of miles to like make, make it happen, you know? Um, and it makes me, you know, think about kind of a Midwestism that, we may collectively all be familiar with um, is that there's a lot of uh, pressure, I think, for like Midwest queers, especially like rural, really rural queers anyway, anywhere to like have to move to like a coast or like a major like metro area to necessarily find space, especially creator spaces um, based on resources or money or like community. Um, and so just seeing how like COVID was the impetus for, A, asking the open question about, like, what are the things that you wanted to pursue as children that, like, didn't manifest? And then being able to so quickly answer the why is also just really stellar. Just, like, the sign, just, the sign and Nova just, like, plopped in your living room at the same time. And it was just, <laughs> no, Angel and Nicola, like, just, it could not have been laid out more red carpet, I feel like. So congrats <laughs> to your cosmic lining because the star that here you go. Um, I have named Nova for a reason, so. Oh, <laughs> Oh, wow. It's like you've been waiting. Somehow. <laughs> like you've been sitting on that. How to deliver that? For like seven years. <laughs> One of the um, questions I did pose that definitely you've touched on already, but maybe we could take um, into a little bit more depth. Unintended question mark. Um, is the... Is the uh, the theme here of just the the rage came from a place of lack, right? And your it's seemingly y'all's collective mission to like build abundance with this being what I can only imagine as a start, you know, and a, a milestone for all of you um, is just that rage came from a lack of representation. It came from a lack of, um, you know, support in that the you were not believed as someone who could go to school for, you know, major A and detour to major B, um, you know, just upbringings just kind of deterring you every which way, right? So can we talk a bit more about kind of the shared experience of just like not seeing oneself in this work? Because um, I also think it relates so heavily to 
Um, I remember, where were we, Nova? You did a whole presentation on like access to the outdoors. And so this kind of feels like the next level of just like how queer and trans folks, marginalized folks generally, are not given easy, accessible, available pathways to the outdoors. So then who gets to tell the story of the outdoors? It's the folks who get to be outdoors in these spaces to be able to look up close with that view to then tell the stories. Um, so that all feels connected. And so I don't really know where what tendril of that you want to pick at, but that all feels like this big applicable thing to y'all kind of breaking through that and saying, well, we're going to tell this story and we're going to get ourselves as close as possible to this by making it making it happen yourself. I can give my like, just like immediate thoughts. I actually, you have some to go for it. Outdoor, current outdoor educator. Oh yes, you are an outdoor uh, educator. So I actually have like three thoughts. Um, <laughs> just three. Um, Okay, one of them, um, there is uh, literally a book that I started reading this morning. It is written by a trans woman, and it oh. talks about this book. I'm totally blanking on the name of it. But it's, oh, I'm thinking of the wrong title. Hold on, but I find it. Let me find it. Um, it's a beautiful book, um, and it talks it deliberately about this. And it talks about how, um, or she talks about how, like, there is uh, this like patriarchal lens that inherently we have all been looking through whenever we look at nature because of the people that have been writing the like uh, leading articles and essays and uh, published science on um, ecology and outdoors and nature and biology and A, B, and C, and D, right? Um, and it talks about how like the, like if we started to allow for more access and more diversity in these sciences, then we would actually start to see nature as more queer because we would have these perspectives that allow for us to look outside of this lens. Um, the book is called uh, Evolution's Rainbow, Diversity, Gender, and Sexuality in Nature, um, in Nature and People, and it is by Dr. Joan Roughgarden. Um, it's really cool if you want to learn about gay animals. <laughs> it's all about animals, gay animals and plants. So <laughs> it's really great. Um, I would recommend it. It's an easy read um so far, at least I'm reading it. Um and yeah, and and also I think, think like when we when we talk about like accessibility and we talk about like equity and like diversity and and all of these things that go into like our outdoor spaces, I think it's really, really important to also highlight kind of like the environmental justice issues that our marginalized communities are are more likely to experience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, when we when we talk about, you know, all of these things and the outdoors, so much of this also is like um, like making sure that not only are our natural spaces healthy and taken care of, um, but then also our people are, are healthy and taken care of. Um, and I don't see a world in which we have more diversity and more equity without also addressing sort of like the conditions that are are like marginalized communities are living in um, the inequities of like, hey, um, and like the expectancy of free labor within the, uh, like, uh, uh, naturalist industry and, um, like science industry even. Um, and so I think, you know, whenever we talk about these things, I think it's important to say, Hey, like it's one thing to provide visibility and it's a whole other thing to address the barriers that are keeping people from being visible. And we can do some of that. Like we can address some of that and say, Hey, like, it is up to you to do the thing that you want to do most in the world. And that does not mean you're not going to um, come up against barriers that are have been in place for, you know, so many years. Um, yeah. Also, just to speak like specifically to like the visibility aspect, um, 
you know, one of the reasons why I got into why why I really just wanted to get into conservation filmmaking is because I genuinely believe that like people will will be more inclined to do something about something if they experience it themselves. And so that's why people make conservation films in the first place is that like people don't always get to see lions in Africa. They don't get to see tigers in India, you know, like and and all these places. And so we make these films about these threatened animals in order to get people to like care and be inspired and stuff like that. Um, because otherwise you just kind of don't care a little bit or you're just not aware of the of the issues. And it's the same thing, I think, with like queer stories and queer films as well, and specifically in queer media, um, both on screen and off screen applications. Um, if you're not seeing yourself or if you're like an ally and you're not seeing the, the, the lives of queer people and the struggles that queer people go through, you're not going to be aware and you're not, you know, if you're a queer person, you're not going to like have the inspiration or the motivation to like do the things that you want to do. And if you're an ally, you're not going to have the knowledge of like the problems that like queer people face or like what to do about it or anything like that. Um, and I just remember like little me watching like Steve Irwin and Zabumafu and like all of these like like wildlife shows and like I just I, <laughs> I so badly wanted to be Steve Irwin and I couldn't and I didn't really put those words together when I was younger I just remember like wanting to do that like wanting to go out into the wild and like find animals and tell people about animals um and then suddenly I'm hitting an age where I'm like in the back of my head like I that that you know that's not me up there so like I don't think that I can do that like that's for really older white men who come from a completely different background than me and it's not like a conscious thing it's like a definite like subconscious thing of just like just feeling that those paths are completely divergent from each other um and so the more visibility and the more like showing people that like, hey, actually, queer people can do whatever the hell they want <laughs> and succeed at it and be great at it. Um, I think that that would be very helpful. But I don't know. No, but what do you think? <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely just lost my train of thought. Is Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's back. OK, OK. Um, so we also are currently in a climate crisis, right? Like we have so many different things changing about our planet. We have so many different issues that have been here for a long time, but we haven't either done much about it or we didn't know what to do about it. Um, and there's so many other things. This is just one example that humans haven't solved yet. We have so many questions. Um, and for pretty much our entire history, we've been listening to a very small selective perspective of a small group of people, right? Cishet white men. Um, <laughs> to, to call it out. Um, but just imagine having access to the entire rainbow of ideas and knowledge and brilliance that people have, but they don't have the platform and elevation to be able to take that further to actually make impact. And so part of the entire like chicken and egg of of equity is also like solving our big questions, our big problems. You know, like so many people growing up, I feel like everyone was talking about um, like becoming a doctor and like becoming a researcher to solve like curing cancer. And it's like, yes, that is very important. But we're also there's only a select few people that get to do that kind of work. And so I don't know, there's access and everything that 
uh, queer people and other marginalized groups need more of. But um, wildlife spaces is definitely a big one. Yeah, I mean, it's not lost on anyone who's even like minimally aware of queer history that like queer folks are always part of everything anyway. It's just a matter of like what, you know, the platform that you're talking about, Nova, right? Like, you know, I think about foraging in relation to this conversation too, right? And how folks like Alexis Nicole Nelson are just kind of this very, you know, prominent figure in kind of demystifying the complexities of foraging and like being mindful of like localized food sources, right? And, um, you know, I think about Adrian Green Brown's emergent strategy and looking to like nature as this replication of like what our communities are capable of and how we're not tapping into, you know, our fullest potential as like a species and just letting things, you know, fall away recklessly for I don't know why. Um, uh, or and if you haven't read this one, this is one that I was just like, when I'm getting screen time with these folks, I am definitely telling them about it. Um, there's this book by Alexis Pauline Gums that you've maybe heard of. It's called um Lessons from Marine Mammals. Uh, Undrowned? Yes, Undrowned. I was like, I'm missing a big word in there. And I did a whole book review on it. But um, it is splendid. But the point there, too, is just like looking to these like, you know, marine mammals um, to make, you know, really deep connections. Not in a way that says like, well, how do we personify these creatures? to kind of then project our thoughts onto it, but it's to truly say like, look at what these sea creatures are capable of doing that like we can't even fathom because we're not at a place um, of human decency where we can even think um, to to offer what, you know, the models of sea creatures is offering. So I don't think there was a question in there, but I was just like, all of this feels so, um, so custom of queer folks to kind of have to look at what is happening know that if you turn away from it then like you're complicit but that to participate also has its own like ick because then you know you're opening yourself up to critique from like the cis normative world that's just like who do you think you are um by the time this episode's come um comes out it'll be probably about two months since the virtual premiere, and I know that that's not the first time it was in front of people either. Let's actually talk about that. This wasn't the first time it got put in front of people. It just happens to be the first time it was readily available to lots of people. Because um, I did some, you know, Instagram sleuthing. And this is my understanding that, uh, was it back in November during the film festival that it was the first time it got put in front of people? Or was there another time? I think it was, was it the Nautilus premiere that was the first yeah. time? Yeah. So Angel was... Um editing away while I was at sea for a 70-day stint. Um, and they were very kindly setting me, sending me cuts of the film because I wasn't there to actually help edit. Um, and I was on, on board with um, Bob Ballard. And for those who don't know who Bob Ballard is, he is the man who found the Titanic, among many other uh, sunken crafts. Um, and I work on his ship as a video engineer. So casual, um, right? Like, just yeah. drop that in there. Started <laughs> literally like, sipping water while you're saying this, and it did not register until then. Like, oh, you, you fancy, huh? Like, <laughs> we do, we do cool things. Um, just being gay in the middle of the ocean. Um, but so I was on this expedition um, with a lot of Nat Geo explorers, including Bob Ballard, um, and Angel just finished like the. I think it was either the fine cut or the the final cut of the film. Um, and we, I think we both collectively had the wonderful idea to screen it on Nautilus. So the first time it was ever screened for like 
not our three sets of eyeballs, was uh, in the middle of the ocean off of one of the Hawaiian islands with a bunch of Nat Geo explorers um, in our control van. So, which like I still like think like what a what a perfect place to premiere a film about the ocean, like in the middle of the ocean. So like the <laughs> least accessible place in the ocean, like on Bob Ballard's ship, you know, like, middle of the ocean. So that's kind of where it, it first premiered. And then Angel, I don't know if you want to talk about the other premieres. Yeah, we had a couple of other premieres after that. The next one I think was our like little friends and family premiere that we did. Um which was really cute. And then, yeah, the, the the I would say the first, like, really big public one was at the San Diego Environmental Film Festival. Um, and that one was really cool because it was actually the first year of the film festival itself. Um, and they sold out the festival. So lots of people were there. Um, we were very, very excited about it. Um, and that is where we won our first award. Also, we won the uh, Audience Choice Award. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, and then, yeah, finally, the, the you know, big, the big premiere was the worldwide premiere when it went up on Water Bear um, in January. So. so in the time that this will come out, this podcast will come out, it'll be probably just a handful of months since it got put in front of any people, whether it was on a ship in the middle of nowhere, the San Diego Pirates of Film Festival, or um, the very quaint and amazing virtual premiere that y'all did in January to uh, announce that it was then available for free streaming on Water Bear. Um, you know, it'll be a handful of months, but it, it, in this time, since any of those premieres, what has been some of the responses kind of beyond praise, right? What is, what has opened up? I guess I should ask what has opened up in the time since you has, have put this in front of other people, opportunities, conversations, new ideas. I, I would say that like, in just hearing y'all talk about it, there's one little nugget of reference, I feel like, in the actual film, but you talked about it here, so I want to, like, pick at it again, is the, like, ex-Christian piece. Like, it, it has a little, little sliver of reference in the, in the, in the film, but doesn't, you know, we don't go too, too far into it, but it's there, right? There's a whole other story there. Um, you know, what has opened up, right? Or what are you thinking about now? What is, what is next? Um, what you got? Yeah, so we actually, to kind of, like, promote our virtual screening in January, we had, um, like, I made this, like, sign-up form for the screening, and then I also was like, what does seeing this film mean to you? Like, an optional questionnaire kind of attached to the sign-up. Um, and we ended up doing this, like, kind of promotional post of just, like, these people's quotes of, like, what it means to see this film, whether they already had seen the trailer, if they've already seen it, like, family and friend showing, or, like, they're completely new to it. Um, and we had such a wide breadth of responses that was so absolutely just heartwarming and encouraging. Um, and since the the film has been completely public and accessible, uh, I've personally had lots of different people reach out to me, um, especially young queer professionals and students mm -hmm. being like, hey, like, I just have never met, like, I'm like any sort of like queer role model, but also like queer person who's making it and is okay and like is happy and, you know, successful and um, living their best queer life. I know. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just like full circle. I'm becoming the person I needed while I was younger. And like, it's just so life giving to be able to talk to this younger 
queer generation because of our film and be able to connect and be like, yo, like, I don't believe in the capitalist system that we're under. Like, if there's any way I can help you in your career, like, please let me let me know. Like, I, I want to be able to support people as much as possible because we can only do this in community. Um, so that's that's been a big takeaway for me as far as like what's come out of it is just like seeing my community show up and say this means something and we need this and we need more of this um so some of my things are um the the release of receiving like the audience choice award was like pretty hefty for me um i like it's one thing to do like a friends and family premiere which was like pretty good you know i was a little bit nervous for it but i'm like okay these people all know me outside of this screen like no matter what happens like it's okay um and there's just been overwhelming amounts of support um which has been really really great to see and then um it's another thing to have it shown to like a room of strangers um and uh i, w I remember like kind of like sitting and and like the very back of the audience like kind of like not really like i've seen it i lived it i don't need to see it again kind of a vibe you know um, and um just kind of like waiting until the very end and then um you know at the very end of the movie i i like held the door open for some folks because it was like at the end of the film festival and a couple of people like kind of came up to me and i was like oh this is like a real thing i'm like a i'm really doing it <laughs> yeah hair flip exactly um and um it's uh it, it was kind of mind-blowing to have someone else come up to me and be like oh my god that's you and I was like yeah that's me and I was like so what did you think and they were like oh I thought it was amazing and I was like oh really and they were like yeah like it was so good this was it's just like exactly what you said and it was exactly what I needed to hear and I work in yeah I think they ended up working for a really like with some like senator and they were like really accomplished and um they were also from a marginalized community and um, just to to see someone that's maybe not queer, but from that has experienced similar, you know, struggles in their life was like, it was like this really beautiful moment. Um, and then um, just like since then, uh, there's like an increased confidence, I think, in myself of like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really doing the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like applying for grants now to do like a, a fun little research project for school. And are you rage applying to the grants or just like casually applying to the grants? <laughs> I haven't actually applied to them yet. I may rage apply. Wait for that moment. I'm going to rage apply to this grant. Eric's successful the first time. Eric, so, we're listening to our rage. Yes. <laughs> I think like as for like a almost like a what's next sort of a thing. When we first like started this, we did not expect it to go as far as it did um like i just remember i remember like this like really particular car ride conversation that i was having with like nova and nicole and i was like oh i you know it'd be so cool if we could actually like go to baja and like film the rays there but like that'll never happen like you know and then it did and then um you know we were we similar conversations like oh i wish that we could get this film on a streaming platform but that'll never happen and then we did <laughs> and so um i think like this film has surprised you know, I'll just speak for myself. It surprised me in a lot of ways. Like this is my first film. Um, and uh, something that I forgot to mention in the intro was that I, I do my full-time job. We're almost there. Give us one more podcast. <laughs> my full-time job, I'm an editor um, at a production company that does like natural history documentary movies and TV shows and things like that. Um, but I'm very new to that job. Prior to this, I was working in like marketing 
marketing and ads and branding and things like that. And so um, all of this is very new to me. And this was my first film, my first time ever producing, writing, you know, doing the whole shebang. And not a lot of people get to see their film go this far. And so I think it's been really just inspiring to me personally, like, oh, I can actually do this. <laughs> this is this is nice. So I think that like, I, I'll, I think I can probably speak for all of us when I say that like most of us have really bad blank canvas syndrome right now where we're just like we did the thing let's do it again you know and and I think you know we've been tossing around like a lot of different ideas for the next big project and some things we could maybe talk about but a lot most of the things we can't talk about unfortunately but yeah I think like the just the shocking success uh of the film was definitely very inspiring and motivating for for us as filmmakers and as a scientist so <laughs> Of the many things I hope that that like offers to y'all, right? Like the affirmation and the motivation and just put like canvas syndrome. I love that. Um, I I hope that also, at least from like a bystander perspective, I feel like that makes it clear that it was it's satiating a need, like a like a like an appetite for this kind of story, right? And like you gave you know what is hopefully just the tip of the iceberg of what is then possible from the three of y'all respectively, and then just any. Anyone else who's going to be graced by your like influence through this ecosystem of watching this piece, um, I wanted to give space just kind of like as we're you know making you know time here, um, you know any final thoughts that you want to share about the process or to folks listening or just anything you forgot in your intro. Pattern, <laughs> <laughs> love that, love that. J.K. Um, any final parting thoughts um, before we wrap it up? Um, I can do my like usual plugs of like um, we had some really incredible partners on on this film and and it really just would not be possible without the assistance of all these partners and specifically um, Jackson Wild uh, they're an organization that is um, primarily like a media awards like almost kind of like the I don't know like the Oscars of of wildlife and documentary filmmaking. Um, but they're also a nonprofit that does a lot of like initiatives and um, conservation things. And, and uh, we teamed up with them recently to launch like an LGBTQ plus initiative um, to kind of make a space and a community for for people who are in this really niche like science and filmmaking like world. Um, and if, you know, anyone's out there listening right now and they want to get into conservation or science or even filmmaking, um, if you go to the jacksonwildcollective.org, um, it is, um, first of all, it's, a, it's just like a great networking resource, but also, um, this queer initiative that we've started, um, there's, we're doing meetups, we're doing, um, like resource guides and, and, and it's been a really fantastic, uh, little baby thing that we've started this year. Um, and it's been great to see how many people, um, are in our little niche community that are a part of the LGBTQ plus, uh, community. Um, so that's one place that is um, really great to go to. And then also another partner that we have is a um, website called 500 Queer Scientists. And that is a place where um, if you are a scientist, you can kind of upload your profile on there and um, people can find you. And it's like this hub for people who are in the LGBTQ plus community and are also in like all areas of STEM um and that was really cool and um there were so many so many other partners and we'd be here for hours if i sat down and explained them all but those are two places where if you're like looking to get involved and looking for community um those are really great places to start 
Yeah, and I'll I'll add for like 500 queer scientists, you can also be relatively science adjacent. Um, I'm on 500 queer scientists, and I'm not personally a, a scientist, but I am a science communicator. So um, don't count yourself yourself out um, if you're not a, not quite a scientist or not like fitting precisely in in between the lines of things. Um, it's I think it's also worth adding uh, as far as like future things and kind of keeping tabs on what the three of us are are up to and cooking up. Um, you're welcome to check us out on social media. Um, you know, plugs for <laughs> for that kind of stuff. Uh, my handle on Instagram is Nova West underscore creative. And you can find me also on my website, uh, which is NovaWestCreative.com. Um, you can definitely find me on my website, which is AngelMorrisVisuals.com. Um, and you can also probably find me on Nova's Instagram at some point. Um, my Instagram handle is uh, at Coley Jean, so C-O-L-I-E-J-E-A-N. And I don't really have a website right now, but that might be enough. Looking honest. Yeah. Good progress. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, maybe uh, just go to my Instagram. Or go to, go to your Instagram and go to my website. Yeah, and then you'll get a full, you'll get a full package. The more I Love that. Um, this has been absolutely amazing. Y'all are so good. Like I said, just like the joy of this film, like has sc- like screams through on its own. So then just to like be to be in synchronous space with y'all now twice, technically um, after the virtual premiere, like it's just so clear that y'all get so giddy about this piece. And I remember like writing down a note um, about a scene y'all were working on where you all just like broke the surface of the water like busted out laughing at the same time like just you can't script that and I think like that's the point of documentary right like you are telling stories that can't be scripted and just like that's that's incredible so I'm just really pleased to have had um, time to ask you uh, more in depth which could go on for hours but that is not an option in a podcast format um, so folks will just have to watch it themselves and get um, get the gist of what we're talking about so thank you so so much Thank you for having us. It's been great. Take the Last Bite is made possible by the volunteer labor of the Midwest Institute for Sexuality and Gender Diversity staff. Our larger work is sustained by the contributions of grassroots donors. If you would like to support the life-saving work of empowering, connecting, and educating Midwest queer and trans communities, please consider setting up a monthly or one-time donation at sgbinstitute.org backslash giving or hitting that green donate button on our website's homepage. Our inbox is open for all of your insight, feedback, questions, boycotts, memes, and other forms of written correspondence. You can contact us at lastbite at sgdinstitute.org. Particular shout out to Justin, Andy, Nick, Danielle, and Michelle for all of your support with editing, promotion, transcripts, and production. Our amazing and queer as fuck cover art was designed by Adrian McCormick.